0: Welcome to the Colonial Church STA podcast. The vision of Colonial Church is to build an exciting, vibrant, Bible based church right here in the heart of St. Augustine, Florida. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. So, if you've got your Bibles, why don't you open with me to Matthew chapter four? We're in a series at the moment called I Know a Guy. I Know a Guy. We are always either in contact with a guy or just one. Separate one relationship separation away from knowing a guy who can help, (laughs) knowing a guy who can fix a problem, knowing a guy who can can, um, come and help us with something, knowing a guy who might have a speciality in an area, and so we might um, ask them to come and help us. But the funny thing is, as Christians, is we know a guy too. We know a guy who can help. We know a guy who can rescue. We know a guy who can save we know a guy who can change a life. His name is Jesus. And we stand on his word. We stand on the word of God. Jesus is the word. We stand on the word of God and we believe that God wants to change people's lives. And so we're in a series. We just started it last week and we established last week that we are all called to be soul winners. Every single one of us. We are all called to be soul winners. Don't for a moment believe that soul winning or uh, Or speaking to people about Jesus is for the people that, you know, work at church or the ministers or, you know, the special holy people that are inside a church and that's just what they do. They're locked away in an office and, you know, we don't really see them very much because they're out there talking to people about Jesus. No, that's for everyone. It's for every single one of us. I know a guy that can help you. I know a guy, I know a place you can come and you can meet this guy. That's the whole premise with the series. So are you there yet, Matthew chapter 4? Anyone there yet, Matthew chapter 4? Click to it, turn to it. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, I'm reading from the ESV. It says, while walking by the sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Verse 20, immediately. Everybody say "immediately." immediately. They left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. So on the one hand, they were casting. On the other hand, the other guys were mending. It's important. And he called them immediately. Same language, same tense, same posture. Immediately, it says, they left the boat and their father and followed him. Lord, we just thank you this morning, Father, for the power of your word. Lord, thank you that it changes our lives, Father. Thank you that we can look to it. We ask that you'd speak to us through your word today. Father, I pray these would be your words and not mine. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing in the lives of your people. And the whole church said together, Amen. Have you ever thought about why they were fishermen? Why fishermen? Why would Jesus choose fishermen? I mean, was it the way of life that they kind of lived, you know, chill vibes, chilling, you know, fishermen, pretty relaxed type of people, hanging out? Was it the simplicity of that analogy? Well, you know, we want to catch people, we want to attract people to the kingdom of God, so fishing's just easy to use. Was it that? Was it the outdoors? Was Jesus an outdoorsman? You know, with his own Yeti cooler and the whole deal? Was he an outdoorsman? I don't know. Maybe he was. Or was it the skill set? Was it the application from the natural to the spiritual? See, these guys, they had skills, man. They were skilled Fisherman. I, grew up, I grew up in the water, I grew up surfing, I grew up in the water, I grew up on the water, I grew up sort of wanting to be in the water all the time. I was just swimming, surfing, you know, going, uh, I was a crew on sailboats when I was a kid. I was doing all kinds of stuff in the water, but for some reason I missed the fishing memo. And I'm kind of glad that I missed the fishing memo, just, that's just me personally, I'm not really into fishing. I don't know what it was, maybe it's the, the fact that it's kind of slow paced and there's just these bursts of excitement. That happened, you know. But the rest of the time, you're just kind of sitting around doing nothing. It didn't really attract me. It didn't really excite me. But for some reason, I've always known fishermen. I've always known this breed of fishermen. It's a type of person. They're a breed. Like my my brother-in-law, he may or he may not be crazy about fishing. There's a certain breed, and these guys had skills. They had real skills. See, these guys, they did this for a living. They weren't recreational fishermen. They were commercial fishermen. They were commercial fishermen. They weren't recreational guys. They weren't like, hey, this is Fourth of July, long weekend. Peter, why don't you go get the trailer, put the boat on the trailer. Let's go down. Let's throw a few lines in the water. Let's get James and John, and let's get the dad involved because he'll just pay for everything. They weren't those kind of guys. They weren't just going down to the boat ramp on a public holiday. These guys, they did it for a living. They were commercial fishermen. They derived their very life out of this role, this occupation. And there's a reason that our Lord and Savior Jesus, the Son of God, He chose fishermen, fishing people for His work here on earth, when Jesus was on earth, for his ministry, but also for the very church that we are a part of building today. He chose those guys to be the starting point for the church. These guys, they fished for a living. They caught fish for a living. Proverbs 11 verse 30 is kind of like the overarching, one of our key verses for the series. The fruit of the righteous is is a tree of life. And it says, and whoever captures souls... Is wise. Whoever captures souls, the New King James says, whoever wins souls, whoever captures. See, Jesus, he saw a skill set in them. Jesus saw an opportunity in them. Jesus saw something in them that he knew would work. Some kind of transfer from the natural to the spiritual that he could use. To do what Ephesians 4 says, Ephesians 4 and verse 11 says, and he himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, some pastors and teachers for what? The equipping of the saints. The equipping of the saints to do what? To go fishing. To go fishing, edifying the body of Christ, which is simply to strengthen the body, but also to go out there and go fishing for people. And there's a reason that he chose this way of life. And I want to embed this into our series as part of our series, I Know a Guy, I mean, the Bible doesn't even just talk about them being fishermen. It actually describes some of the stuff they did. Jesus is walking along the Sea of Galilee and he sees the first guys and they were casting nets. And I've actually done this. My brother in law, who I may or may not have referenced before, he dragged me fishing one day and it was just, it was an experience, man. I mean, I, I, I consider myself more of a sailor, totally different world. And my, my brother in law just finally gets me out in his fishing boat. And I'm there and my nephew was there too, Eli, can't get enough of Eli, love Eli and we're just, the four of us are in the boat and we sort of make our way into this little, this little grove and just all of a sudden, the two fishermen that I was with were out of the boat, they're just gone. And I'm there with Eli and the boat is running and we're just idling right there on the shore and these guys they are just off and they're just making their way up towards the shore holding nets. I'm like, what is happening right now? You can't leave the boat, don't leave me in my time of need. I need to get home. I care about my life. But they were doing was they were casting nets to catch bait in shallow water. And I didn't know any of this. This, is, this was new to me, but I've seen it. And from history, they did the exact same thing. If you read history, they had these, these nets and they would cast them just like we do today. They were circular in diameter and they were big. And that's what the first group of guys were doing. So, so God made sure that in his word, he talks about them casting but then the second group of guys were mending, and mending the nets, they were, that was more of the deep sea operation. The deep sea operation, these were like sometimes 300 feet in size, these nets, and dozens and dozens of feet long. They were just massive nets, and they would mend those nets. So God, in his word, specifically points out that they were casting and they were mending these guys. He chose fishermen. You know it's funny if you if you if you study it, you look at it, it wasn't just a few of the guys. See, a lot of theologians actually believe that more than half of the twelve disciples were fishermen. Commercial fishermen. I'll show it to you in John 21, verse 1. I think we're gonna put it up on the screen too. It says, after this, Jesus appeared to the disciples this time at the Tiberias Sea, or the Sea of Galilee, same place. And this is how he did it: Simon Peter, Thomas, so that's two, Nathaniel, that's three. from Cain in Galilee, the brother Zebedee, which we read about in Matthew chapter 4, that's two, that's five. And it says, and two other disciples were together and Simon Peter announced to them, he said, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we're going too. The boss has just died. Stuff's just broken out. You know, things are getting crazy. We're going back to our old life. But if you do the math and hopefully you're keeping up with me on the math is seven of the 12 commercial fishermen. It says they went out and got in the boat. And they caught nothing that night. When the sun came up, Jesus was standing on the beach, but they didn't recognize him. You see, maybe Jesus used the analogy of fishermen and, because the sea is a big sea. The ocean is a big ocean. And when you think about the people that we're called to reach as a church, we've got a lot of people to reach. We've got a lot of people to minister to. We've got a lot of people to disciple. We've got a lot of people that don't know the power of that name Jesus that we were singing about 10 minutes ago. See, maybe that's the analogy. Is since the ocean is just so big, there is just so many people to reach. So fishing is the right skill set. It's pretty amazing. But last week I talked a little bit about kind of this series and what's, what's, what's driving us to really want to be a church that evangelizes. Really want to be a church that spreads the message of the gospel. You know, we get a lot of people to reach. We had a lot of work to do. This week was amazing. We had woven this week. Any of the girls are at woven this week? I wasn't at woven because I was looking after the kids. Praise Jesus. I made it through. Six of them by myself. They all still live, they are still breathing to this day. We had woven on Thursday night, 250 women. Here in the armory, worshipping Jesus, we have a lot of people to reach. It's incredible to see what God has done, but there is so many people out there in the world that we need to reach around us. I talked last week about some of the statistics that are kind of alarming part of a doctoral study, but they say that 80% of churches in America have either declined in numbers or are declining in numbers or are plateaued. And only 3% of churches grow through true evangelism, through spreading the gospel, 3%. It's a single digit number. That's not good enough. And what's even worse was through this study and the part that actually hits me the hardest, because I believe we're we're a church that's called to reach young people. But the statistic is seven out of 10 young people will leave high school in North America, go off to a university and lose their faith. Go off to a university and call back to mom or dad, put the call in and say, you know what? I'm here and, you know, meeting all these new people. I just don't believe it anymore, Dad. I just don't believe it's real anymore, Dad or Mom. And they turn away from their faith and see. I'm excited about this series because we're actually going to, towards the end of the series, we're going to talk about defending our faith. Defending the faith. Dr. Rice Brooks is an amazing. He's the guy that wrote God's Not Dead, the book. I don't know if you're familiar with his work, but we're going to talk about the ways we can defend the faith. And really inspire people to understand it's truth. It's not just private truth, it's public truth as well. But in our vision statement, it says that we're called to be an exciting, vibrant, Bible-based church whose focus is Jesus and his mission is to welcome people home. But we've got a lot of people to reach in our ocean. We've got a lot of people to reach in our pond. We've got to look at verses like what we see in Matthew chapter 4 and understand that God wants us to go fishing God wants us to go looking. God wants us to go and find these people. I want to share some statistics as well this morning, kind of going to the next step. But I was recently having a a sit-down with a pastor friend of mine, a guy called Andy Herko, who pastors at a church called Good News, an amazing church doing an amazing job as well. We were sitting down, we were talking. And we are talking about the growth in this part of the world, and it's kind of crazy What's happening in this part of the world? If you're not up to speed, we're going to get you up to speed right now, but they say right about now, in our county, this part of the world, our ocean, our pond right now is about 250,000 people, 250,000 people. And Andy and I were looking at some statistics and from some data that we found, but it says that 16% of that number are associated with the church, 16% are associated with a church. And I don't know, I'm kind of a wording type of guy. I'm not a lawyer, but I'm a wording type of guy. I'm like, associated church? Does that mean on fire for Jesus or not? 16% say that they're associated with a church. It's kind of crazy, and I just want to get you up to speed, but everybody wants to live here. Everybody wants to move to this part of the world. Everybody wants to start a business in northeast Florida. Everybody wants to start communities. We've got developers moving here. We've got all kinds of stuff happening. And they, they are, um, in terms of um, forecast, they're forecasting for that number to double. In terms of total population in the next 10 years a doubling. That's what we're going to see. That's why it's so important for us to be positioned as a church. That's why it's so important for us to preach the message of the gospel every single week in our city, to invite people home. Come as you are. You don't have to have it all together, but please just come. Please just hear the message of the gospel. Please just understand that God loves you so much. And he wants to be there for you. I just want to answer the question, if you ever thought, I wonder if Colonial one day will be a big church. Can I just answer that question for you? I want to answer it in really simple terms. Yes. Yes. Why? Because we want to put on productions? No. Why? Because I want to somehow elevate myself to this platform? No. Why? Because we want to put out a worship album? No. It's because the ocean is growing. There's more and more fish. There's more and more people. There's more and more people that we need to reach. I just find it funny. People who don't like big churches have got to get something in your spirit. Big churches reach more people. It's that simple. I want us to be the type of church. We're not scared of that. We're not scared of what that looks like. In fact, we boldly go into it because we know it's the power of the living God that's doing it on our behalf. It's not us. It's God. But somehow, someway, God lets us be an extension of himself in the world today. And we get the opportunity to be a part of his great work. Am I preaching to anyone this morning? On board? The immediate future, the immediate need is large. And we as a church need to be well positioned. We need to be positioned. The church needs to be positioned. And the funny thing about that, the church is you. We as a church, corporately, we want to be positioned to welcome people home. We want to be positioned to get people into essentials classes. We want to be positioned to invite people into a connect group. But what that means when I'm speaking as a church, corporately, yeah, it's the corporate church. It's a group of us together, but it's also you individually. It's also you in your life. It's also you in your workplace. It's also you in your sphere of influence, whatever that looks like. You've got to be the church too. And we've got to be the church and we all get to do it together. So what I wanted to do this morning was I wanted to take four skill sets of a great fisherman. Four skill sets, four observations from the text that we could look at and say, man, I can apply that to my spiritual life. I can apply that to my walk with God. I can apply that to asking people to come to church. The first is this, four observations is this, they prepare. A great fisherman is always prepared, is always prepared. He gets the gear out or she gets the gear out, the hooks, the baits, the nets, the preparation. See, a great soul winner, a great fisher of men is someone who always is prepared. Someone who goes to God in prayer first. Someone, a great soul winner is always prepared in the Word of God. A great soul winner lives out of prayer and God's word and is able to share God's word at the right time from that place. Not from a place of lack, but from a place of being filled up. There's preparation when it comes to soul winning. See, we're the type of church, we're not a spray and pray type of church. (laughs) We're not a spray and pray. Yes, we do do social media. Yes, we do advertise. Yes, we do all that sort of stuff because we want to hang the banner. We want to let people know that we're here. But we don't get up and we don't start pointing fingers at people and yelling at people. We actually want to have a conversation. I actually want to have a conversation. You need to have a conversation. God wants us to have a conversation. Not scream and yell at people, point fingers, but no, say, hey man, what is your name? What's your name? What do you do? Tell me about your family. Tell me about where you're at in life. I don't know if you caught it last week, but I talked about that thread that we begin to notice that maybe a little loose in people. So you can't pull on that thread unless you've had the conversation. You can't pull on that thread unless you've had the conversation. You've said to them, hey man, what are you up to? What's happening in your life? How are you doing? Okay, awesome. And then the questions come. Then maybe the the discouragement you hear about. And then the opportunity comes to pull that thread. Say, hey man, there's a God that loves you. There's a God in heaven that loves you. He wants you to be in relationship with him. So a great fisherman is prepared. He's ready. He's gone and done the work. You know, church is a great place to mend your nets. Church is an amazing place to mend your nets. Why? Because you get the opportunity to come in, come under the preaching and the teaching of God's word, be strengthened in your faith, put a few things back together, make sure everything's lined up, you get the opportunity to speak to people who will encourage you, will help you, will say, hey man, you're doing awesome, you're meant to be in that job, you're meant to be doing what you're doing. We actually get the opportunity to have our Mets mended at church to go out and then deploy them in our lives. To go out and win souls. A great fisherman has worked out what the best bait is. (laughs) What is bait? Bait is any story of God's goodness. Any story of God's goodness. Any story about the goodness of God. About your salvation. Maybe your healing. Maybe your experience with God. I mean, I have to give one more myth buster today. Is that okay? Just one one more myth buster, all right? This is my myth buster today. You don't have to have a bad story for it to be a good story. You don't have to have a whole messed up background for it to be a good testimony. (laughs) You don't have to. Why? No, this is why. Your story is never about how bad you were. It's all about how good God is to you. Let's be the type of church when we prepare. We prepare to go fishing. We take the time. See, my wife, she grew up in a Christian home. That's her story. You can tell she grew up in a Christian home, by the way. Just kidding, just kidding. She grew up in a Christian home, and I'm grateful for that, but that's not my story. I did not grow up in a Christian home. Some of you are like, yeah, we can tell. What does that mean? But that's my story. And You know, I, did, you know, I had some things happen in my teenage years, and I didn't grow up around the things of God. And, I, you know, it doesn't matter how good or bad it is. It's all about the goodness of God. It's all about what he's done in your life. It's all about the amazing God who went out of his way to send Jesus so that you could have life. That's my myth buster today. It doesn't matter what your story is. You have your story and God wants to use it. I'd love it if you could write this down today, if you take taking notes. And this is encouragement from me for this series is this. I need to get good at telling my story. When we talk about preparation, we talk about taking a moment to get ready, preparing the boat, preparing the lines, preparing the the bait, preparing whatever we need to do to go out there and fish for men. We need to get good at telling our story because that's ultimately one of the main things God wants to use. He wants to speak through the mosaic that is your life the way he put you back together, the way that he reconciled you to himself, the way that you came from maybe a bad place into a good place. God wants to use that story, so you've got to get good at telling your story. That's why connect groups are so important. That's why being in church is so important because we get the opportunity to work on our story. We get an opportunity to mend our story, to look at it and say, man, I, I want to get good at sharing it because when the opportunity comes, I want to share my story. I want God to speak through it, amen? Number two, about a great fisherman is this, they know where and they know when. They know where to go and when to go. It's kind of annoying, actually. <laughs> you ever been with a fisherman? It's just like, they just know exactly where to go. They know exactly which place the fish are at. They know, you know, it's like, you try to sort of offer some advice and say, man, I think, you know, no, this is where the fish are at, okay? Don't worry about it. I can. You know. They know where to go. They know and they know when to go. They know when it's the right time to be there. They know when it's the right time to cast. They'd also know when it's the right time to mend. In other words, they know when it's the right time to put out in the deep water. But they also know when the right time is to put out in the shallow water. The shallow water is maybe the opportunity when the fish come into shallow water. You know when that time is. And you know when the time is to deploy the nets? You know when the time is to deploy the lines? I would talk about my own salvation experience as a shallow water experience. I'd come from a place where, man, I was probably in deep water at some point in my life. I was probably in deep water. I'd come from a place I didn't have a religious background. I don't know what my life looked like in the spiritual back then. But through some loss and through some some things that took place, I I had some, some devastation in my own life. I found myself in a place where I was in shallow water. And man, I am so thankful that someone was there fishing. Someone was there ready to deploy the lines and say, hey man, what's going on with you? Where are you at in life? Come to church with me. Come and see what this is all about. I was in shallow water. See, a good fisherman, they can distinguish between shallow water and deep water and do whatever's necessary in that situation. Number three, they're patient. A great fisherman is patient. They deploy the lines. They set everything right. They make sure the conditions are in check. And they're patient. They know their bait is good bait. They know what they need to do. They're patient. See, another way to say it about fishermen in the context of the spiritual life is this. They're faithful. <laughs> they're faithful to stay at their post. They're faithful to just keep showing up. They're faithful to make themselves available when the time is right. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul says this to his young charge. He says, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will, be what, who will be able to teach also. I look at that word, and I'm like, who will be able to teach? And I think about that word and really where we get that word from is available. Available. I wonder if you're available. I wonder if you are available to share God's word. I wonder if you're available to come alongside someone and deploy the line. I wonder if you're available to take the time to prepare and go fishing. I love what it says in the message translation. It says, Pass on what you have heard from me. The whole congregation saying amen to reliable leaders who are competent to teach others. I wonder if you're reliable. In the context of church life, can you be relied upon? Are you determined to be faithful? We don't have to get it all right every single time, but we just got to be committed to building and to going fishing whenever we get the chance. Reliable, attentive, aware, patiently waiting on those lines. I talked about that time that I went fishing with my my brother-in-law and his brother-in-law. And I was just amazed at how these guys would just lie in the boat and stare at fishing lines. Like, have you guys lost it or like, can we like, you know, can we play a chess game or something like that? But they would sit back in the boat and they'd have the lines deplo- deployed all on one side of the boat and Luke would just be sitting there and he'd just be looking and he wouldn't move for, for it seemed like hours and he'd feel the tide move on the boat and the lines would move a little bit and he's like, no, it's not fish. I'm like, what are you guys doing? At least when you're sailing, you can change the sails. You can get busy. These guys would just sit there patiently and wait for the fish. I wonder if we're the type of people who are committed to being patient fisher people, fishermen, fisher women, that understand there's a process to it. When we get the opportunity to play a part, to sit there and wait. And that takes me to the fourth observation. The fourth skill set is this. They are expectant. Or can I say it in a different way? patiently expectant, patiently expecting and ready for God to do something, ready for God to move. Oh, hope springs eternal in the hearts of a fisherman. Didn't catch anything today. That's okay. It's fine. I'm going to take everything back to my house. I'm going to take everything back to where I keep it, and I'm going to get everything ready to go again tomorrow. I'm going to get everything ready to go and deploy the lines again tomorrow. I have hope that God is going to do something. I have hope that God wants to draw people to himself. I have hope every single day the colonial church would grow as a church. I have hope every single day that our people would reach more people. Why? Because we're dealing with Jesus. And Jesus wants to draw people to himself. God wants to be in relationship with people. We get the opportunity to cast the nets. We get the opportunity to put our bait on the hook. That in itself is incredible. The New Testament talks all the time about there being this dividing wall of hostility, Paul calls it, and all of a sudden, it's gone. We get the opportunity to be part of the process. Your story is bait. Your story can be on the hook. Your story can be deployed with a fisher. How amazing is that? God invites us in to his amazing, incredible purpose. So the first is that they prepare. There's a preparedness to soul winning. They get ready before they go. They know where and when to go, where the fish are going to be. See, the thing is, if you're only ever sharing your story in church, that's great. But at some point, you've got to start sharing it outside of church. At some point, you've got to step out and take a moment with someone. And like I said, just pull on that thread. And then all you've got to do is not speak in some angelic voice and sort of try to be super spiritual and start talking in the old King James. Just share your story. Just say, this is what God did with me. I remember working on the trading desk in Australia and the busy trading desk with all these people that are the egos and the personalities and the money. It was just crazy. And I was like, Lord, how do I share my story to these guys? This is They're the roughest craziest, the worst, foulest mouths, and they're rich. I'm like, how does that work? I've got nothing, Lord. And he just said to me, he's just like, just take your time. Just so into what I'm doing, and you'll get your opportunity. And and season by season, people would begin to see me. People would begin to see the things that I wouldn't do and try to puzzle it all together and say, man, there is something different about this guy. There is something different about this guy. He seems to be really interested in church. He seems to be really interested in his family. He seems to be really interested in his wife. And see, in the world, those things, they matter. And all of a sudden, God will take a story. He will take your life. He will take what he's done, and he will use it as bait to reach the world around you. And I believe that every single person in our church will get that opportunity at some point to share your story to allow your story, your testimony, your life change to be the bait that God uses. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? We're going to pray. Patiently expecting, patiently waiting, ready for God to move, ready for God to do something. I'm going to pray right now for every single person here today. I'm going to pray for every single sphere of influence that you operate in. I'm going to pray for every person to get a God opportunity to put the bait on the hook and to go fishing. Sometime this week, maybe it won't be this week, maybe it'll be in the weeks to come. But in this season of your life, make no mistake, friend, God wants to use you. God wants to use you to reach that big ocean that I talked about in this part of the world. I can't transplant our church anywhere else. This is where God has caused us to be. This is where God has brought us to be so we can influence the world around us. Lord, we just thank you, Father, for the opportunity to go fishing, Lord. Father, thank you that as we read the text today, your word, Lord, we get this glimpse, Father, into what Jesus saw in these men These commercial fishermen, Lord, thank you that you use those guys as an example, Father, that we can take that spiritual application and apply it in our own lives, Lord. Father, I thank you for every person that's here today. Lord, I thank you that you've got a story that you're out working in their lives, Lord, from start to finish, Lord. You have authored that story. You have come alongside that person. So, Father, I just pray for every single person that's represented here today, every single life, Lord. That you would begin to do something in the world around us, Lord. That you would begin to use us, Father. Our stories, our testimonies of your goodness, Father. Of your mercy, of your favor, of your grace, Lord. And somehow in the weeks to come, Lord, you'd put that story, that bait, that, that attraction, Lord. You'd put that on the hook and deploy it in the water. Father, give us the boldness to share our story. Give us the boldness to step out and see the person that's struggling, to see the single mom that needs some help, Father, to see the the business guy that seems alone, Father, to see the young person that seems destitute and seems for no reason to live, Lord. Father, I pray you'd position the bait, Lord. Position the hook. Position us, Father, to be there and to have the boldness, Father, to reach out to share our story, to make a difference, to invite people in, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We would love to connect with you. Join us on Sundays at church or visit us at www.colonialchurch.life.